This is The Guardian. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. The UK is currently slipping into a cost of living crisis. It is really quite bad. In the 12 months to April, inflation rose by 9%. We're not alone in weathering this storm. Covid and Russia's war in Ukraine have caused the prices of energy and food to skyrocket around the world. It will inevitably impact our health in both serious and subtle ways. We're seeing more and more issues around domestic violence in families. We're hearing about people's houses getting robbed for the food in their cupboards. For Alex, it's a case of life and death, obviously, because he's on his oxygen machine overnight. It's the worrying anxiety of just being able to look after themselves and the family and the feelings of hopelessness. A recent poll found that 55% of people surveyed in the UK reported that their health had already worsened because of increased living costs. So how does financial hardship affect our health? And when an extra million people could be pushed below the poverty line in the UK alone, are we facing a health emergency? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Michael Marmot, you're a professor of epidemiology and a director of the Institute of Health Equity at University College London. And you recently wrote a piece for The Guardian about how the cost of living crisis was going to hit the nation's health. And there's lots of different ways this is going to happen. But I think that two of the key things right now on people's mind are the cost of food and the cost of energy. So starting with the former... How do poverty, food and health actually interact? What we see 
is quite different from what we see in a very low-income country. Poorer people in the UK are more likely to be obese. It's not lack of calories, it's quality of food that's important. Food insecurity means you buy whatever you can that's as cheap as possible, which tends not to be as nutritious as more expensive food. Secondly, poorer quality food relates to increased risk of non-communicable diseases, cardiovascular disease, obesity is related to cancer, to diabetes, these longer-term impacts on health. And I just want to explicitly bust some of the myths and narratives that you do tend to hear when people are talking about food and money, either that people don't know how to cook or that they're just not budgeting properly and that they should be buying cheaper, healthier foods to batch cook. And I wonder, through your research, have you been able to put any of these to bed? I quoted in my 2020 report on health inequalities, figures from the Food Foundation, that if you were in the lowest 10% of household income, to follow the healthy eating advice from the NHS, you would have to spend 74% of household income on food. This is not ignorance. This is not inability to cook. This is not laziness. It's poverty. It's inability to have enough money to buy the food that's necessary. And now we're hearing reports that people say they can't afford to turn on the oven. They want readily prepared food because of the cost of heating. Right. And let's get into those energy prices because they have really skyrocketed, as they have done in many countries. This also relates to heating. Perhaps you can take me through how not being able to have your heating on can really impact your health. We did a report on fuel poverty and cold homes a few years ago. One of the striking findings is that Britain has a higher excess winter mortality than colder countries such as those in Scandinavia. And we think a big part of that is related to cold homes. Homes are better insulated in Finland than they are in the UK. And children growing up in colder homes do less well at school, other things equal, and it damages children's mental health. I'd like to ask about mental health because not being able to eat healthy food or sometimes any food at all or having to live in a cold, damp house is obviously going to have a huge impact on your mental health. But I wonder as well about that more subtle challenge coming from poverty of it just consuming your mental and emotional energy. You know, just the stress and worry of it all must be really, really hard on somebody's mental health? The first thing to say is if we look at the figures, the poorer you are, the higher the likelihood of clinical diagnosis of depression. The second thing to say is that there's haunting data about the effect of scarcity on what 
is technically known as intellectual bandwidth. In other words, if you're worrying about whether you can put food on the table that night or whether you'll have money to pay the rent on Friday, never mind the absolute catastrophe of a hole in a child's shoe. If you're spending your life worrying about those things, you don't have the bandwidth to plan for the future. You have to spend an enormous amount of time thinking about simply how to get through the day. And that has damaging effects on mental and physical health. And related to this, something that you wrote about in your article is dignity. So how does that come into play? I use dignity as a kind of organising principle to cover how much control people have over their lives, their psychological well-being, their social relationships, their ability and opportunities to participate fully in society. And all of those things are affected by the cost of living crisis, by not having enough money to make ends meet. And I say a threat to dignity is having to resort to food banks to feed your children, to having to beg your landlord for relief because you can't pay the rent to have to wear two overcoats inside to stay warm. Not being able to afford to entertain children for a birthday party. All of that are deep threats to dignity and that will be damaging to health. Right. So dignity actually encompasses all these things that we've talked about, which can have an impact on your health, like the stress and worry of not being able to get food or buy your children new shoes. And I wanted to pick up on another factor you mentioned there, which was social contacts. Because if you can't afford to go out and see your friends or catch the bus to visit your family or send your child to go and do group activities outside of school, it must be a really lonely existence. And I wonder how important that is for health. There was a very influential meta-analysis. It took I think 145 studies, and social isolation was as potent a predictor of mortality in people 50 and above as was smoking. And in addition to shortening life, of course it has dramatic impacts on mental health. Michael, the picture that your article really painted was quite a bleak one. In fact, it was a very bleak one. And studies suggest that over a million people could fall below the poverty line in the months ahead, assuming that inflation reaches the 10% that it's been predicted to. And several hundred thousand people may become destitute. In your view, how serious is this going to be for the nation's health? If we look at the evidence from 2010, in my 2020 report, the Marmot Review, 10 years on, what we documented was that life expectancy, which had been improving about one year every four years, from 2010 on, that rate of improvement slowed dramatically. 
Second, health inequalities increased, the link between deprivation and ill health. And thirdly, life expectancy for the poorest people went down. So that was what a decade of austerity did. If we now think about the cost of living crisis, the danger is that that's austerity squared or cubed. It's extremely worrying. From the way that you've described it, it sounds like we're almost standing on a bit of a precipice. And you're not an economist, so I'm not going to ask you how to fix inflation and the prices of food and energy. But I am curious, if you were in charge of writing health policies for the next few years, what would you do? What would be the key things that you would be looking at? The number one is to put equity of health and well-being at the heart of all government policy. I would say to the Chancellor, if you've made the decision to uprate benefits by 3% when inflation is 8%, Have you considered the likely impact on health and well-being of the population? Our tax rate is about 36% of GDP. In Finland, it's 51%. In France, it's 51%. In Italy, in Austria, in Germany, we don't want to raise taxes on poorer people. That would be a terrible thing to do. But raising taxes on richer people and corporations is not such a bad thing to do. Michael, just one final question. In reading your article, for me, I felt a tone of frustration in there and you've spent your work looking at these social determinants of health and how important they are and how much of an impact they have and I just wonder how does it feel watching what's happening now and knowing what may be to come? Surprisingly I feel positive because regional areas and local areas are really trying to make a difference It doesn't let national government off the hook. But if I thought no one was listening, yeah, I'd be really frustrated and down at heart. But I'm not, because there's real thirst for the insights from our research that are likely and have the possibility to make a real difference. And I'm really excited by that. I'm so glad that we could finish this difficult conversation on a positive note. Michael, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you again to Professor Michael Marmot. You can find a link to his opinion piece on the health impacts of the cost of living crisis on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. Now, I'm sure you'll have seen plenty of stories in the news about the spread of monkeypox in the UK. If you want to know what's going on, what monkeypox is, how it's spreading, and actually how worried you need to be, then listen to our sister podcast, Today in Focus. Science Weekly host Ian Sample is chatting to Nasheen Iqbal, explaining everything you need to know. Search for Today in Focus wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for today. The producer was me, Madeline Finley. The sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. And the executive producers were Max Sanderson and Isabel Rugol. We'll be back on Thursday, when we'll be doing a deep dive into the monkeypox virus. So do tune in again then. Listener.
This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 